I've, I've understood that everybody's ministry is not going to look the same. And we have to be okay with it. You know, we have to be okay that my ministry is not going to look like everybody else's. And, but that doesn't mean that I don't work on it to sharpen it, to develop it, to, to enhance it, to improve it, to do all those things. But at the end of the day, man, each one of us are, are so unique that it's, it's going to it's, it's going to be different. And and I think one of the one of the challenges in the in regards to the, the kingdom of God now is. Our success is not because we're not smart enough. It's not because we're not talented enough. It's not because we're not gifted enough. It's not because we don't have what it takes. Oftentimes, our success comes, our success is forfeited because we don't cut enough stuff away. And, and we find ourselves too busy and we spread ourselves too thin. I, I, was, I, I started doing this uh, series on um, pruning, just that was the subject was pruning and, and how to be effective in pruning. So I started doing this research on, you know, the horticultural aspect of pruning and why you prune trees. So there were, I think there were four or five reasons why you prune a tree. It was you cut away that which is dying, that which is diseased, that which is dead, or that which has too much density. It's too much. That's why you cut a tree. And, 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 and what, what they said is that, what they also said was that in a tree, that when you're the sap, the same sap that produces wood is the same stuff that produces fruit. Yeah, the same sap that produce, turns a tree into wood is the same stuff that produces fruit. But when you cut the wood back, it forces the sap into the fruit, which makes you produce more fruit. And so when you're being fruitful, you have to be mindful to be pruning stuff because stuff is always sprouting and it's always trying to grow and, and, and all the energy of the tree is being pushed into the wood. But nobody walks by a tree and say, I want some of that wood. <laughs> what they want is the fruit that the tree is producing. And we have, what happens to pastors is they become very woody, busy, and they need to prune back. Yeah, well, I, grew up, I grew up in an area where they were peach orchards and and um, can't remember the man's name but Mr. Tot that was his name and, and it was always intriguing to me that when you walked out on his peach orchard every tree only had one had one trunk and maybe three main branches and every year after the fruitful season he would always come and all the branches that had sprouted out, he would cut them right back down to them three main branches again. And he'd do that every year. And that little peach tree that looked like it only had three branches on it just be loaded with peaches. The next year, after the, after the peaches are done, it'd have a whole lot of branches on it. And he'd go back and he'd start snapping. And 
And and and I I believe this that one of the so in the series that I saw teaching on pruning, I said, what if we could apply the pruning process to every department of our life? What if I'm not fruitful in my thoughts because I just got too many to give my energy to and I need to prune back to maybe the three main things is most important so that my energy can go into those areas versus being just so many branches, if that makes sense. If you could think of the mind as branches and it's got too many branches in it. And so, so my son who, uh, who is, is, is getting his PhD in neuro neuroscience. So, you know, you start talking about synapses of the brain, which looks like a tree with a whole lot of, and every time you learn something new, it fires and it and it just grows. But and and so what happens is when you learn something new, he says that learning something new is like pruning a tree. Because it cuts back the old stuff that you used to doing and it makes other stuff start sprouting and growing. It's interesting. Wow. And so and so I think for 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 pastors we have to be willing to look at our lives and say you know what what's the things that sprouted in me in the past year because it does it every year that I need to cut back so that I can give my energy to the right places to the right things whether that's thoughts whether that's actions whether it's deeds i mean you work how many hours you said a pastor what what was the week 55 to 75. Yeah, man. And I think you need to find your place of grace, whatever that may be. It might be 55. It might be 40 for some. It may be 60 for some. But you find your place of grace. And when it goes over that, somebody need to pull out some some pruning shears and say, let me cut this off because me being busy over here is going to cause me to be inefficient over here. I think that we have a lot of of discouraged pastors because they're trying to conform to a mindset that has been established by previous generations, by our society, by uh, other expectations, by uh, people they're associated with, and they're trying to fit a one-size-fits-all kind of program. Yeah. So you you have stats like we had previously read. Then you have a a few more that are intriguing to me. 84% of pastors feel they are called 24-7, that this is a a lifetime calling no matter where you are, when it is, that I'm called to this. But as a result of that, you have 80% that believe pastoral ministry has negatively affected their families. And you referred to this earlier. Many pastors' children do not attend church because of what the church has done to their parents. Because the the pastoral ministry has had such a negative impact on so many families that the next generation that, as you said earlier, should certainly reap the benefits 
of the perpetuation of ministry and calling and choosing of God for such a special office mm-hmm. that instead it has turned negative, and that has to be on our part, not on God's part. But yet there has not been enough teaching, enough influence, enough support around pastors, and this is one of the things we're trying to do in the gathering, is address the issues that pastors are facing because we can't build the kingdom of God if we don't first build pastors. Yeah. Because as the pastor goes, so will go the church. Wow. The church is dependent on the health and the strength and the security of their pastors. If you take the pastor out because God ordained that the pastor would lead that church and influence and help develop and take care of the spiritual needs of that congregation. And again, we're talking about, you're talking about over 40% of our population that is in church is in a small church. So over half of church-going believers are attending churches that are under 200 in the congregation. So now you, you take that large portion of the body of Christ and you put a pastor in the mix that is struggling financially, emotionally. Yeah. That bleeds over into your spirituality, mm-hmm. into your faith and your confidence and, mm-hmm. and what you're able to do in stepping out in greater faith mm-hmm. and leading those people with you into greater faith, all because there are so many negative influences that we are allowing to arise and we're, we're focused on, well, let's go reach people. Let's, let's build the kingdom. Let's do this. Let's do that. And we're forgetting about the people God has already wow. strategically placed in every community around us. Mm-hmm. As the lights, Revelation calls those the angels of the church. Yes. Mm-hmm. And God has divinely ordained and strategically placed those pastors in those ministries mm-hmm. that he has a plan and a purpose for. And we are letting them get their feet, so to speak, knocked out from under them without supporting and undergirding and, and strengthening and sometimes just giving a word of encouragement that, hey, let's help you adjust your frame You've got the vision, you've got the picture, God has called, God's ordained, but let's help you adjust the frame that you're trying to put that vision into. Maybe at this stage it's one thing and maybe a goal is another. I, um, on my back deck, I have this 55-gallon drum that I grow herbs in, like uh, cilantro, basil, rosemary. I got all my spices I need. And so I got a pot roast and uh, what's it called, the uh, Boston butt, and got that thing and got it saturated. I got all my herbs, chopped them up real nice, sprinkled them on this Boston butt, and got the grill going and secured that thing and got it all wrapped up and set it out there and let it smoke on the grill, you know, for about six hours. And it was that grill was just coals were hot and it was just smoking and that type of thing. And you could smell the aroma and all those things were going on and. And and so when it when it when it when it finally got done, we took it and we chopped it up, and I made some coleslaw, and then I went and made a pound cake, and you know I make cold oven pound cakes, and those cakes they got that little crunch, you know, on the top. That, you know what I'm saying? Someone needs to stop so, him. So so <laughs> no nah, no nah, no. Nah. But now now 
Did you see the words that I said, or did you see images? We saw images. No, I'm on the deck smelling the aroma, brother. Yeah, I've been I've been to your home. I know what that smells like. <laughs> but, but but my point is, you we see in images, and if the image doesn't look good for us or our people that we're leading, if they look over and and the image don't look good. It affects them. It does. It don't matter how powerful the words are. If the image doesn't look good, if, if, if we don't look like we're prospering and look like we have more than enough, if it don't look like we serve a God who is more, not, we don't serve the great I'm gonna. <laughs> We said a great I am. You know? he's, he's not an I'm going to God. He, he, is, he, he is the great I am. And I think the, the, the enemy does more damage to us by distorting our images than he does in any other way. The image is it's the most important thing to him. You know, he, he, he will go all out. To, he, he, he will sacrifice his own son to save the image. Because the image changes everything. Wow. Because the image determines what goes on in the mind. Mm -hmm. yeah. you, you, you know, be transformed by the renewal of your mind. You can't renew a mind without the right image. Yeah. You know, I don't care. When we look at our pastors and our leaders, and I agree with you, I think, I think we have to join in to help save the image that's being projected. And having the right plan, having their finances stable, family's got to be stable. You know, even to have faith, you got to have an image. You, you, you know what I'm saying? And so that's that's a huge that's a huge uh, uh, challenge that we're dealing with because that's why when somebody, if a pastor falls, what's damage? The image. The image. What causes people? I ain't going back to that church because the image that they get, they can't get over that 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 damaged image, and so the and, and so and I agree with you. I think the finances, that image has to be right, and we got to help them. Put you can have a beautiful picture, but if the frame, it can mess up the whole image. So we've had years of conditioning mm -hmm. that. Somehow, poverty is godliness. Yeah. That that is sacrifice. So you have your priorities right, and yet we take that to the extreme, like we do too many things, and we end up with damage to that family, to that pastor, yeah. to the ministry, and financial training. I'm not suggesting is the answer, but. We are also relationship-oriented people. Yeah, yeah. And you will begin gleaning mm -hmm. some of your thoughts from the people you associate with. Wow. And if you're associating with people that are concerned about, well, you just got to keep driving. You just got to keep digging. You, it's all about the, the kingdom. It's all about the calling and you're not in balance, you have no voices around you saying, back up, step back a moment, take inventory, 
-hmm. breathe for a moment, mm -hmm. and look at what's happening around you. Look at, first of all, your family. Yeah. Because we're not taught to put the church first. We're taught to put God first. And there is a difference between God and the church. Yeah. God is the one we worship. We don't, we don't worship the church. Right. So our families should come in the order of priorities ahead of the church. Yes. Because for most pastors, the church represents their work and their work ethic. Mm. So like with any business person, you put business ahead of your family and you don't begin to find some balance, you're going to get in trouble. Mm -hmm. So our, our families get in trouble because we are doing a good thing, maybe out of balance mm -hmm. and misassociating that with our worship or our faith or our love for God. And then you have no voices around you to help stop you, slow you down and say, listen, maybe you want to back up and look at this a little bit. This is not threatening to your calling, to the vision God's given you, mm. but you've got to be safe and proceed with wisdom wow. so that you can see what God is really trying to do in your life. And that, that's one of the things we're trying to do is create those associations and influences through relationship mm -hmm without anything being required of, but simply, here, here is our hand. We want to help. We want to support. We want to strengthen. We want to bring the synergy of a group of other pastors just like you, other believers just like you, so that together we can make an impact for the kingdom of God. And it, if you're in a large ministry setting mm -hmm. that is outside of that norm, mm -hmm then that is fantastic because you have already obviously developed that circle of influence and support groups and so forth and so on. But we have half of the kingdom, half, half of the kingdom that is under pastors that are struggling many times in isolation. Wow. Many times in poverty, mm -hmm. many times with family distress. Mm. And we are ignoring that. That that should not be ignored. It's not that the other is not good and we don't applaud that, mm -hmm. but someone has to begin to do something for the others. You know, I was going to say, um, I think that every problem that is seen both in the small and the large is the same. Because even though the large may have all the money that they need, but if you inspect their homes, they're struggling too. Wow. You can be in a small church, not have the money, but the home is still struggling. And so, yes, money, the word said, does answer things. But I think if we go, if we want to be really honest and transparent, we have to dig down a little deeper and talk about authenticity being authentic with each other, being able to find a safe place. And that's the thing that I admire the most about the gathering is that we're creating a safe place for a pastor to be able to come in and say, listen, I'm struggling and I need help. 
because even if you give that pastor all the money that they need, if they are struggling with their mental wellness, whether they're struggling with an opiate addiction, whether they're struggling with some infidelity in the house, whether they're struggling with children that have ran awry, those things are what's really impacting the image because people jump off of sinking ships. Yes. And, and we have to be authentic and say that I am broken and I need help. And I believe that when you begin to really heal those issues as well, then they can be able to see the vision clearly. They'll, they'll be able to say, wait a minute, this isn't what God is really calling me to do. This may be what I want to do. But is this what God is calling me to do? And I think the gathering is a place to where the pastors can come together and for a moment in time completely release all the expectations that everybody else has on them and even the expectations they have on themselves and say, God, I'm at a place I need you. Mm. Uh, One of the things we say is that we're raw here. And, and, And what that means is that I don't have to dress up, I don't have to put on, I can just be me all by myself in the presence of God and be healed and be filled and be in a secure and safe place around the other brethren that can help me find the exit route to the problem that I'm facing. So yes, they're faced with poverty. Yes, they're faced with so many other dynamics, but at the core of it, at the very core of it, they've got to be built up and reminded that you are a man or woman of God. And God did call you, even in your brokenness, he called you. Right. And so not, not to underestimate your dilemma, but to realize that there is power even in your dilemma because it's pruning away some things in you that you thought you had under control, but you really don't. And so I think that coming together, being knowledgeable about the statistics that are be, we're facing, being aware of the need to make some fundamental changes in the way in which we do business, because church is a business. Yes, it is. I mean, if you don't understand that, Father is right in the word. Jesus says, listen, I'm here to be about my father's business. And so it's very clear that there was a business aspect model that we have to acknowledge and for us to grow. God does everything in an orderly, systematic way. And so if we're going to do things, it has to be decent and in order. And if our plan is not working right, then we don't have to forfeit, as Bishop Smyre has said, the vision. We just got to go back to the visionary, which is God, and say, listen, my plan ain't working. I need a new plan. Will you provide me more information? And God is so righteous to do that because his name is on us. And his, when his name is on us, we cannot fail. We may look like we're going through something, but you just keep hmm. on looking because we're coming out. Amen. Hmm. Wow. wow. And, and to add something you said, Dr. Smyers, is that a lot of pastors are, feel alone in this world. They feel like they're by themselves. Right. When we first planned our first church, we felt alone. Mm. 
because the pastor we had sat under for so many years abandoned us. Come on, tell Would me. not even talk to us because we went out because God said go. But God provided somebody for us. So these pastors that are sitting out there by themselves independently need to know that they're on alone. And the gathering is a place that they can know that they're on alone, that they have a helping hand, they have supporting brothers and sisters that's going to come and hold them up, hold their arms up, and pray for them and then see for them. To just to let them know they're on alone. Right. Wow. Because whenever you feel as though you're on an island, you die. Yes. People that are left on the island alone die. They do. And so um, whenever you're faced in starting a new plant and you're going out, even if they sent you out, you have to realize that um, what may seem to be abandonment may actually be them giving you the space and the room to grow, to make your mistakes, to face God one-on-one. But you have to understand they need support. And if they feel as though they're not getting that support, you have to be uh, joined together. Because it was one body we are. that are fitly joined together, everything Amen. being supplied. And so I agree with you, um, Heartbreaking ministry is probably one of the biggest cancers that if we had to put a name to it that we see. And when we're not properly healed, hurt people will hurt people. And so uh, that's what I love about the gathering is giving a place and a platform for pastors to come and be mended. Yeah, you know, you know, the one of the things that for just me personal testimony when I think about the gathering um, that I've always experienced is that every time I come the first thing that is repaired is my self image mm-hmm. it 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 did it wow whether you preach don't preach just just the the setting mm-hmm. has a way of repairing self image mm-hmm. and it's like when I walk in I feel Number one, I, I feel significant. Mm-hmm. I feel important. I feel valuable. And it always makes me feel as though my words have meaning. Wow. And, 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 and I'm telling you, and if you can accomplish that in anybody, right. it changes the game. Mm-hmm. Because you cannot function at a, at a premium level if you don't feel good about who you are. Self-esteem is one of the most powerful things, and and because if 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 the programming on how you see yourself ever gets altered, it changes the game. And so there there has to be a place where you can go back and and be repro- set things back in order. Meaning that how I see myself reset. Yeah, reset. Like uh, uh, on our campus, we we converting over to uh, a control system where we can control all of the heat, air, lights, that type of thing. You know, everything can be programmed. And so you set your set points, and you, you want your units to run between uh, 68 and 72. And that's the, if it goes below, it's going to come on. If it goes above, it's going to pull it down. That's the, that's the goal. And it's amazing that we got a company that, that comes in and monitors this all the time. And even though nobody should be in there messing with the controls and resetting the set points, about once a month, some set point will get off and somebody will call and say, it's hot in the library. We'll go on the system. And you look on there and lo and behold, 
the set point has gotten off. How it got off, I don't know. <laughs> then, and so we go in and have to reset the set point so that the unit will come on when it's supposed to, cut off when it's supposed to. When we have a bad self-image about ourselves, we come on at the wrong times. <laughs> and we're cut off at the wrong times. And we, we're just not able to think and, 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 it's, and it's amazing I don't know who get in our head and cut it off or reset the set point <laughs> but we need to have a what you call it a, a PM <laughs> a, 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 a maintenance a, 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 a way of maintaining and make sure and what the gathering does for me I'm serious it's like I come in my set points can be off you know but the closer I get here when I walk in it's like somebody went in there and reset you are somebody, you are significant, you are important, you are valuable. And they reset all that back to where it needs to be. And now I can function.